ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಪುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವತೀತಮಸ್ತಮಾವಿರ್ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 So any questions from any previous classes? So what what is it to be a good human being? What is it to be a good human being? It's different for different people. Anyone want to uh say what is the mark of a good human being? unselfishness which i said it in the speech so much um thursday the one uh, marker to measure your level of spiritual development is how good a human being you are is your level of unselfishness and being spiritual is actually nothing but unselfishness all the all the scriptures no matter what religion you follow they all talk about be kind to your neighbor you know be be good to your fellow human being it's all to do with the the bottom line is it's all to do with being unselfishness being unselfish the problem is that we're actually all selfish so it's it's uh, we have to work at it that's why we need spiritual knowledge Puranic stories, you know, when we were young, kid, our parents used to teach us, story, tell us, tell us ancient stories from, you know, all these uh, ancient books. It's to, all to do with learning how to become unselfish. That's what they teach us. But it, it's no one's fault that we're, and we're all selfish. It's how a human being is. It's just some are more selfish than others. But ultimately, we're all selfish. So it's a fact. That's how it is. So, sorry. So we must learn to become more unselfish. Now, don't don't get me wrong here. This doesn't mean just giving your money or possessions to more needy people. That is not being unselfish. Relatively, it is, but that's not the actual <coughs> what we're talking about here. You give or not doesn't matter. The unselfishness we're talking about is from within the attitude of unselfishness you may be you may have an attitude of self unselfishness but you may decide not to give somebody because it could be detrimental to them so but you have the attitude that I'd like to give I'd like to serve so this attitude is developed over time by purifying your personality how how do we do that? how do we purify our personality relinquish our desires by understanding free yogas yeah all these scriptures all all these exercises are given to us 
the truths of life so that we can purify our personality. So by learning the subject, this is what we're ultimately trying to do, purifying our personality. So last class we said that the world is made up from pairs of opposites. Examples again, just for some newcomers here. Pairs of opposites. Good and bad. Which one do you feel in your category? <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> Good or bad? Hot and cold. Hot and cold. Night and day. Night and day. Light and dark. Darkness and light. Tall and short. Big and small. Happy and sad. So would you all agree then that the definition of this world is actually the whole world is made of pairs of opposites. Would you all agree that then that this world constitutes of the pairs of opposites? There could not be no day without night. There could not be no good without bad. How would you measure? How, if there's only good, how would you know? So th there has to be pair. You, don't, you only know it's hot because you've experienced cold. You know you have profit because you've experienced loss. So would we agree that this world is made of pairs of opposites? This is the definition of the world. Do you agree on that? Yes. Yeah. Going back to the selfishness, mm -hmm. would, you're saying that we're all born as selfish. Yeah. So. comes first? Is it that you become spiritual first and learn to become more unselfish or is it that actually some people are not spiritual but naturally unselfish? Bob Geldof, mm -hmm. example. Went and raised a whole load of money for charity in Africa and you can say that he was thinking of more of others than himself because he was had the ability to do something at the time he was really famous to help mm -hmm. another country but he may not have been spiritual mm -hmm. so there's an aspect where you've got relative good human beings who so wouldn't necessarily say they're spiritual so we're all born selfish as, as we mentioned yeah but everyone is different some are more selfish than others what we're saying is that you don't need to become spiritual to become unselfish. Some people are naturally unselfish. Yeah? Some people are naturally born unselfish. You know, you could have a pair of twins. One is complete, uh, ultimately, uh, one is more selfish than the other. Okay. So, but that doesn't mean that they have learned it from from past life. They may have been spiritual and become more unselfish. But everyone is born different. This is what we're saying. Now, the spiritual aspect of it teaches us to become more unselfish. Ultimately, we want to get to the goal of being selfless. So relatively, some people are more unselfish than others. Like we said, Bob Geldof is more unselfish than, for example, somebody else in the same, in, in the same uh, music uh, artist as him, maybe. But that doesn't mean that um, he's spiritual. 
What is the objective of him giving me? It could be because of name and fame. We don't know that. He got knighthood for that. We don't know. What I'm saying is that what is within, we don't know. But everyone is different. He is ultimately helping, but what we don't know what the reasons are. Mother Teresa, we can say, is an example of being a selfless person. She spent her whole life helping others who needed help. She didn't, she didn't want any name or fame. She got it, but she it's not, that wasn't her goal. So I think if you just under, accept the fact that we're all selfish, and if you all look within, I think you will realize that we are all selfish, yeah? Because this is our nature, this is how we're born. So the point, the reason I'm talking about this is that we, in life, we have lots of challenges. Yeah? These, challenges these challenges are overcoming these pairs of opposites. What bothers us in life is these pairs of opposites. India? Isn't that what we... Children are a bit well-behaved, you're happy. Children are not well-behaved, you're unhappy. Pairs of opposites, yeah? So therefore, we're affected by these pairs of opposites. And the reason we're affected is because we have fixed likes and dislikes. Is everyone with me? We have fixed likes and dislikes. I only like dark chocolate. Milk chocolate, I don't like. So you give me milk chocolate, I don't want it. I only want dark chocolate. I only like hot weather. Don't like cold weather. You're affected during the winter months because you have fixed likes and dislikes. So these are the challenges that affect us in our life. We get affected by things or situations we don't like. But the point here is that we, we admit life is full of challenges, correct? Yeah, But we're endowed with a piece of equipment called the intellect, which if we develop, we will not be affected by these challenges. This is the point we're trying to make here. We have it in our, we have the capacity to overcome these issues, but we're not using it. This is the problem. The stronger the intellect, the more peaceful you become, basically meaning you can overlook these challenges. You become less affected by what goes on in the world. Why is that? What is it that the intellect does? So knowledge and understanding, isn't it? If, if the summer months are hot, cold is about to follow. You understand that? You understand how life functions? Reasons and judgments. Hmm? Weak intellect and, and everything that happens in the world affects your meaning, lack of knowledge and understanding. You're affected. You become a victim of your mind. The stronger the intellect, the less affected. 
So as a human, we're designed not to be affected. This is our goalpost to get to. But for that, we have to develop. And that means gaining knowledge and understanding of life. Any questions? When you're talking about intellect, because there's levels, isn't there? For example, I'm not affected by the weather, mm -hmm. nor am I affected by chocolate or whatever. But I'm affected by somebody who I feel is not behaving in the way that I think is appropriate. The key sentence was likes and dislikes. Yeah. Your likes and dislikes are different. So it's a, it's a thing, isn't it, where the intellect will have the knowledge and understanding at some levels, mm -hmm. but not at all levels. So what you're saying is I'm not affected by certain things, but I'm affected by other things. Yeah, because we're all different. Absolutely. You just answered your question. No, but, but what I'm saying then is that, so if I feel that I'm next to a person who's affected by everything, relatively I say, oh yeah, my intellect's really good. But if I'm sitting next to somebody who's not affected by anything, I'll be thinking I've got such a weak intellect and a really strong mind. How do you then, where do you work on, do you just develop the intellect or does it, is it that you focus on things that affect you the most and try and... The area that affects you more, you need more knowledge and understanding in that area. Why is this person affecting me? Yeah, it's not a person's fault. The fault is with you. Why is this person affecting me? What is it about him that's affecting me? Okay, his behavior is such. So work on the issue. Work on the understanding. We're going to actually talk a little bit about this later. But always remember, it's my fault. If I'm agitated, it's my fault and nobody else's. Anita? Just take that, take that point away today, yeah? <laughs> yeah? Because nobody wants to point the finger at themselves, that's why. Yeah. Yeah, but it's such that you can't, how can you not let it affect you? <laughs> Intellect. <laughs> the only way you can develop your personality is understanding. Anything that affects me is my fault. You accept that, then you're on the path of development. Until then, You'll be blaming everybody else but your own ignorance. Take that away today because that's what you need to understand. My own ignorance, that is creating the agitations within me. Nothing else. And the day you understand that is the day you will start developing. Until then, you'd be blaming everyone else but yourself. And for that ignorance, you need knowledge, which is what we're studying here. Knowledge how, of how we function and knowledge of the world. Because you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is you're contacting the world. When you're sleeping, you're not affected. Because you're not contacting the world. 
The minute you wake up, you start becoming affected because you've started contacting the world. So how to not to be affected is to understand how the world functions and how you function. And when you contact the world, why is there agitations? You need to understand why is there and work on that. Is everyone clear with that? So whose fault is it? Who's contacting the world? We just said the world is made of this. We all agreed. So if we're contacting the world, we're getting agitated, whose fault is it? This is the reason I was going into detail about this. Any agitation is because of your, your wrong contact of the world. And learning to contact it rightly is the objective. To seize the agitations. True? Make sense? Okay. We're going to talk about a person who knows how to contact the world correctly. We read the poem. Sandhya read the poem um, last class at the end but I don't think we did it justice. So we're going to read it again and then have a little discussion on that poem. Even the shell pass away, we read last week at the end. Remember? So. Okay. Everyone got it? It's not in the, uh, in this, not in that book. It's in that book, in the poems, Even the shell pass away. But it's quite um, easy to understand, so if you don't have it, it's done, you don't need it. Get the poems book. Got it, poems? No. Oops, sorry. Select English poems, 259. So, page Once in Persia reigned a king, who upon his signet ring graved the maximum, maxim true and wise, which, if held before his eyes, gave him counsel at a glance, fit for every change and chance. Solemn words and these are they, even this shall pass away. Trains of camels through the sand brought him gems from Samarchand. Fleets of galleys through the seas brought him pearls to match with these. But he counted not his gain, treasures of the mine or main. What is wealth, the king would say, even this shall pass away. Mid the revels of his court, at the zenith of his sport, when the palms of all his guests burned with clapping at his jests, he, amid his figs and wine, cried, O loving friends of mine, pleasures come but not to stay, even this shall pass away. Lady fairest ever seen, was the bride he crowned his queen, pillowed on his marriage bed, softly to his soul he said, Though no bridegroom ever pressed fairer bosom to his breast, 
Mortal flesh must come to clay, even this shall pass away. Fighting on a furious field, once a javelin pierced his shield. Soldiers with a loud lament bore him bleeding to his tent. Groaning from his tortured side, pain is hard to bear, he cried. But with patience day by day, even this shall pass away. Towering in the public square, twenty cubits in the air, rose his statue carved in stone. Then the king, disguised unknown, stood before his sculptured name, musing meekly, what is fame? Fame is but a slow decay, even this shall pass away. Struck with palsy, sore and old, waiting at the gates of gold, said he with his dying breath, Life is done, but what is death? Then, in answer to the king, fell a sunbeam on his ring, showing by a heavenly ray, even this shall pass away. So what is, what is, what is this? What's the, what is, um, you said talking about affection, affecting us, what is the, who can explain what this poem is talking about? So, what made him remember? He had it on a ring. He had it engraved on the ring. <laughs> but this is it, isn't it? We, we get involved in everything that happens. Being objective. Poem about a king who lived a life of total detachment and objectivity. He understood what, how the world is. He understood, I am king today, I could be a pauper tomorrow. I will die, I'm, I won't live forever. He understood nothing stays the same. He witnessed all the changes, the pairs of opposites, but it did not affect him mentally. So this is the state we need to get to. So we're not affected by anything. When we have a understanding, he had a 100% understanding of how the world functions. So he had a ring engraved with these words, even this shall pass away. So that was his counsel, to live, of, to, to live that life of objectiveness, to remind him that when he gets involved, okay, um, this is going to pass, so let me be ready for that time when it does pass. I will become old, I will die. He had wealth, health, woman, fame, best of all. But he understood that it was all temporary. It wasn't going to last. He had a dispossessive attitude to all his possessions. He had everything, but mentally he understood that this will go. The enjoyment will go. He may still have, the he may still have everything, but ultimately that enjoyment will go as well. Even when he was old and diseased, he was still able to stay objective. Just another experience, death. So we said, one should not be affected by the pairs of opposites. It is part of life. With sufficient knowledge and fixed on the higher values of life, you would be unaffected by these changes. And this is our goal in life. So, so, you're asking that question, 
you can you, there's a you you can yourself measure what state you're at, what you're affected by, the kind of things that affect you. So it's what incidents affect you. So there's an example given, and you can put your own examples. They say, let's say you go to a concert, okay? And when you leave, you find that you left your pen behind. Would you then go back and get it? You've gone home, would you go back and get it? Would you say, pen's gone, that's fine. If you're agitated, then that's where you are, okay? Your pen is okay, you left your watch. How far would you go to get your watch? How much agitations will losing that watch cause you? You have an accident on the way, you damage your car. What's the loss, what's the damage on the car? How much is that gonna affect you? You lose a partner, you lose your house. You go home and the house is burnt down. How's that gonna affect you, Emma? Your loved one passes away. How is that going to affect you? What we're saying here is that as a human being, we're not supposed to be affected by anything. This is the ultimate state we're talking about here. We're all between zero and 100. So we have to decide what affects me. And start, and start developing yourself so you're not affected by these things. And start moving up, understand, with, like this king, you understood it? There's a statue built 20 foot high. He knew that even this, is, this will pass away. So the more you can withstand, the stronger the intellect, the more objective you are. And the more you can be objective, the more happier your life will be, because you're less affected by anything. So this is the development that we're talking about here. So you need to work out what affects you, at what level you are. So would you say what affects you to what extent? You know, the come and I'm emotional, I'm attached. See, we're not talking about emotions here. Okay. Yeah? Your partner needs emotions, you will give it because you understand she needs emotions right now. But if you're affected as well, how are you gonna give her emotions? So we're talking about within not being affected. Because if you're affected, then you can't function either. See, agitations cause us unhappiness, correct? And we, we're, we're looking for happiness all our lives. We're doing everything to find happiness, isn't it? Our goal in life is to find happiness, and we're doing everything and anything to do to just to get happiness. But agitations take that happiness away from us. So we're learning to be happy all the time. And what it's saying is, develop yourself so you're not affected by the pairs of opposites is what the world is made of. And we're just talking more specific here and a bit personal, but you have to decide where you are. This is a, like a marker, it says. 
We as a human can be permanently happy. We need to develop ourselves so that we can accept the world the way it is and not the way we want it to be. The world is not going to change for you, but you can change for the world. In other words, the right contact. And this will bring you peace and happiness. So you have to change. I can't see you over here. You need next time to sit here, right? <laughs> no, it's okay. Don't worry. So we've just, the next topic is how to relate to the world. This sort of moves on from what we've just discussed. Is everyone happy with what we've just talked about? Yeah. Just take one thing away from there. Any agitations is caused down to me. Yeah, don't blame your partner. Shamila, it's not Ravi's fault anymore, yeah? <laughs> and I'll explain to you why now it's not his fault. Every human being is different. Why is he different? Why is every human being different, huh? Vasnas. Everyone's vasnas are different, meaning, hemo, nature. Everyone's born with a particular nature. No two human beings are born the same. Everyone's vasnas. Vasnas is a Sanskrit term for nature. So everyone is born with a different nature. So they're going to be acting based on their nature, aren't they? We want them to behave in a way that is against their nature. How is that possible? And, we, and when they don't, we get agitated. So is it, the only, is it only the intellect that changes your inherent nature? Is it only the intellect that changes your inherent nature? Because that's what vasanas is. Vasanas is your nature. Let's say, for example, what can change your nature is higher understanding, higher knowledge. You can't change your nature as such. You can just take up something higher in order to, let's say you're highly selfish, okay? And you understood from today's class, I need to become more unselfish. How can I become more unselfish? Now you're taking steps to change your nature by being objective and um, you're looking at your personality and saying, I don't like the way I am. I need to, I need to change this by taking steps to a different way, different path than you've been taking, a higher path, then you'll start changing. You'll question your actions more. Yeah, that's where the intellect comes in. Everyone's bastards are different, therefore everyone's nature is different. <coughs> but we want them to behave in a way that is against the his or nature. How is that possible? See, in animals, we've covered this before, in animals, everyone has all the different um, types of animals have a fixed nature. All lions kill, eat meat. Sheep, they all behave in the same way. Cows behave in the same way. They all have a collective nature. They all behave in a particular way. All of them are behaving the same way. You pet a dog, a cat, you're not going to pet a lion. You know it's ferocious. You know how a dog behaves. You know how a cat behaves. 
all cats are similar, all dogs are similar. But in humans, it's not the case. Not all humans are the same. Every human is different. And this is what we need to understand. But the problem is what we do is we think everyone is going to act based on how I am. If you're a kind, unselfish person, you think everyone else is like that. And this is where the problems arise. Because how can you tell a selfish person not to be selfish? But this is what we're expecting, isn't it? Sanjay? 100,000 different personalities. 100,000 different personalities. There you go. So if you're making them aware that they're selfish, surely that's giving them some... Uh, Anita, you're highly selfish. Has <laughs> that helped you? <laughs> <laughs> So, you can, you know, if you're telling them, you know their actions are selfish. Who are you to tell me? <laughs> Humanity, man. Who are you to tell me? Mother Teresa? No. Then you're selfish. I'm not selfish. Yeah, I'm sure I am. This is the conversation you'll be having with that person you're telling, I'm saying. Yeah. I'm role-playing <laughs> role your friend. This is exactly what we're saying. No, but you're trying to make them see that they're selfish, right? And their actions are selfish. So. so They cannot see that they're selfish. Yeah, but you as an outsider can see. No. So you, you can see and you understand because you've been coming to classes, you understand selfish and unselfishness, correct? Therefore, you're telling them, but they've not had any knowledge. But what do you mean if they had knowledge? What do you mean if they had knowledge? They have knowledge, spiritual knowledge. There is having knowledge and having wisdom and applying it. So you may have the knowledge, but if you're not applying it to your personality, then it's just gold on a donkey's back, you know. Having the knowledge and applying it to your personality and changing is one aspect. Having knowledge and just reciting it to people is a different aspect altogether. Absolutely. You, you have to... And that way it will affect in the whole of your family or the whole community or whatever you're trying to show. See, we can't change anyone. Only person who can change is themselves. They can only themselves can realize... I dis See, when you look in a mirror, we see that we're getting fat. We say, oh, I don't want to be fat, I want to change, yeah? And you start going to the gym, you start cutting down your food, whatever, yeah? You can see that. Quite easy, isn't it? You make, start making a conscious effort if you want to. But you can't see inside you. This is the problem. If you look in the mirror and it says, selfish, then you think, okay, let me work on that. <laughs> but it doesn't say that. <laughs> you know? And this is the problem. And that's why we need to understand how a human being is, understand how we are, and then start looking within and saying, okay, let me look at my personality. It's quite a gross word, though, isn't it? Selfish. Because that's been really, like, as you said, when you're looking, 
it's more difficult to look within yourself. But it's such a, I, even to use it for yourself or for somebody else, it's being nasty, I feel. And there's levels, isn't there, of selfishness where... So we're, we're talking here of spiritual development, nothing else, okay? We have to start with the gross before we can get to the subtle. Grossness is the body. We look in the mirror, the, we see the body, therefore we can work on it. But we don't see the other gross uh, personality of ours. And it's, this is purely an example, okay? The point I'm making is that we can see the body, hence we can make changes if we put effort into it, if we want to change. But inside we cannot see. It, it doesn't matter about selfish or whatever. But um, we can't see our personality within. This is the point I'm trying to make. And that's why we need the scriptural knowledge and understanding of how things function, how we function, so that we can look within inside, because there's no mirror to show us inside. And spiritual development is not doing yoga, getting your body physically fit, is doing yoga within, to get your mind purified, your intellect strong. This is the, uh, what we're talking about here. You have to understand how you function. So what we're saying is that because human beings all have a different nature, and we don't realize this, as Sanjibadal just said, 100,000 different personalities, we don't know how to relate to other humans. And because we don't know how to relate to other humans, this is why we suffer. Partners not behaving how you want him to behave. You're agitated, you suffer, makes us unhappy. Your boss is always angry, every time he's angry you're affected. Why? Because you're not an angry person, you don't want him to be angry. Through. You're not an angry person, he is an angry person, you want him to be not angry. That's his nature. You want him to behave against his nature. He cannot do that. Now you go to the office, you see him, he's angry. He says, yeah, that's my boss. He has an angry nature. You're no longer affected. He gets angry at you, you understand? That's his anger. I'm not going to be affected by it. Colleague at work is very dirty. Doesn't wash her hands. Desk is untidy. You, on the other hand, is very clean, tidy. Every time you see her or him not wash their hands, you cringe and think, how dirty. Why are you affected? They're acting based on their nature. They think it is normal. They haven't had the same education as you've had. That's the difference. You appreciate cleanliness. They haven't reached that state. But if you get agitated by that, then only one suffering is yourself. <coughs> Any argument with children, friends, partner, family, all because of 
lack of understanding and individual assessment of each person's nature. We don't have this problem in the animal kingdom. There's a snake, stay away. Kitten, you pat it. Because we know how they're going to behave. So how do we want everyone to behave? And you are Mother Teresa? <laughs> you see the point? That's the point. You can become quite egoistic, though, can't you, with this thing where you can say, well, you know, I'm so much more unselfish. I behave morally, they're immoral. You just start looking at things really negatively and think that you're so much more better, and then that's affecting your ego. You know, for example, cleanliness. That's my ego. Do you know what I mean? It's such a fine line with thinking that you're developing one aspect where, fair enough, you're becoming more unselfish, but then you're enhancing your ego to think, well, they're not like me, I'm so better than they are. It's, it's difficult. It's, uh, it's impossible. How are we creating it if it isn't actually occurring? Comparing with everyone. If you just looked at your desk and said, oh, it's clean, that's fine. And then carried on with your life. If you didn't look at everyone else's desk and then compare it, you started off by saying, oh, this person's desk is more dirty than mine. But why did you need to compare it? Okay, so leave aside the desk. Good driver, bad driver, right? Okay. So you can drive really well and think, well, okay, you know, I'm sticking within the speed limit, I'm abiding to the rules. Somebody overtakes the wrong way, and you know you're kind of thinking, well, hang on a minute. They're driving so poorly, but again, that is an aspect of your ego speaking, to think that you're able to abide by the rules and they're not. It starts off really subtly, yeah. but it's still enhancing your ego. I feel, where you're looking at others' mistakes. Like in, the, in, the, in that example. There's rules that you understand. Oh, this, these are the rules, and they've now broken those rules. As opposed to things like personality, where there is no rule on what your personality can do as well. That's the difference. If you start thinking you're better than someone else because of your made-up rules, as opposed to like, rules of the road, you can say yes or no. It's different. This is this is a bad loop, or this is a good loop. Whereas if you're getting affected by someone on a personality-based level. Based on rules that you made up, oh, they should do this, they should do that. Then it's on you. When your ego starts manifesting, this is my ego manifesting, I've got to be careful. They're, they're acting based on their vasanas. My vasanas, when it comes to cleanliness, is far superior and more refined than theirs. But they may be good at certain stuff that you're crap at. Don't look at the areas, the good areas, look at the where you're deficient and work on those. It's also the word better, you're not better, you're different from them. So you're saying the word better to different. It's all relative. 
we all have work to do on our personality. And that work is zero desires. When you get to that state, fine. Should we have this expectation that everyone will behave based on my mental pattern, based on my likes and dislikes? I like being clean, therefore everyone should be clean. I'm a vegan, so everyone should be a vegan. Because of these expectations, we suffer. Not understanding that everyone's acting based on their vastness. Everyone's acting based on their nature. So, what must we do? What must we do? Huh? Be unaffected, as he said. We must assess each person around us, try to understand that they are behaving best on nature. What, they, what certain things that they do is going to affect me, be prepared for that. And when it happens, it's okay. They're just acting based on Nevasmas. I'm not going to be affected. You're acting based on your vasanas, they're acting based on their vasanas. They may not have that, the, the same understanding, they may not be exposed to the same knowledge or upbringing as you have. Is it their fault? You don't know their background. You should feel sorry for them. Not let your ego go manifest. Rather than that, feel sorry for them. That will reduce your ego. Show humility rather than... Uh... So that's on a personal basis. Our environment, weather, the country, our government. If we relate to everything on that basis, where everything, anything agitates us, if it's in our power to change it, then we should do so. If not, then we have to learn to accept it. Your child misbehaves, Joshnabin. If it's your power to change that, then you should. But if it isn't, then you have to understand that this is how my child is. You have to learn to accept it, otherwise every time you'll be agitated. Accept things and beings as they are rather than how you would like them to be. Then you would appreciate their qualities and their beauty. You'll be able to relate to the world without any agitations and suffering. You're less affected. Just for understanding and knowledge, you develop yourself to be less affected. This is their true nature. This is the true nature of the world. Right now, if you're affected, it's because of this lack of understanding. So there's a um, section here. I'll just quickly read it. Just to finish off this topic. 
FHI. All grumbling is tantamount to, oh, why is the lily not an oak? Can a lily become an oak? It cannot. Lily is a flower, oak is a tree. True episode that took place in Chennai, India in 1939 drives home this point. It was a humid day in summer when the temperature had shot up to 44 degrees Celsius. The students in a classroom were all fussing about the scorching heat. The teacher saw them disturbed by the heat as he entered the classroom. Instead of sitting at his desk, he crossed over to an open quadrangle in the, in the playground and beckoned the students to come out. He stood under the blazing sun as the students wondered what was happening. He suddenly threw up his arms and exclaimed, isn't this a beautiful summer? The boys could not relate to what he said. He continued, the beauty of the summer is its heat. The beauty of the winter is its biting cold. The beauty of the monsoon is that it must pour and pour. But the problem with you all is that you want the summer to be cold, the winter be warm, the monsoon to be dry. He did not stop at that. He exemplified further. The beauty of the African is his dark skin. The beauty of the Englishman is his fair skin. But the African wants to be fair, the Englishman wants to be tanned. This madness goes on and on. People are, un people are unreasonable in expecting something different from the original nature of an object or being. These unreasonable expectations cause mental agitation, frustration, stress everywhere. Therefore, you must learn and look at persons, beings and things, environments and situations as they are and not what you would like them to be. At the office, you'll admire the foul temper in your boss. At home, you will adore the nagging of your spouse. I think that sums it up. Any questions? Next topic. I'm going to try and finish this today. I'm going to go through it quickly. Um, it's talking about initiative versus incentive. So the world such as such today is that we all work on initiative. We work all on incentive rather than initiative. True. Remember this one. So what it's saying is that you need, really need your intellect, developed intellect, in this environment now. Because if you don't, you lose your objectivity in, in anything you do. So, does everyone understand what incentive and uh, initiative means? Rishi, can you explain? It's, just, it's a very basic term, it's nothing. Incentive is a reward for something. Yep. Absolutely, perfect. You know we say to the child, eat this and I'll give you a bar of chocolate. Incentive. <laughs> Initiative means he would just uh, think, you know what, this is good for me, I better eat this. <laughs> so in the work environment, what they're saying is that the, the reason why the work environment is such is that nowadays everything works on in incentive rather than initiative especially in the US, 
you know, banking and other things. It, it wears people out, burns people out. But the problem is that with incentive is that they only work temporarily. Why does it only work temporarily? It's temporary. The problem with incentive is the mind gets neutralized to it. This month you're going to get a bonus of a thousand pounds. Next month you get a bonus of a thousand pounds. Your mind's used to it. Why didn't I get a thousand pounds? I ain't working next month. I didn't get a thousand pounds. Mind is neutralized to it. It no longer is an incentive. No longer reward, you expect it now. Hence, incentives don't work. You're talking with the mind here. The mind becomes neutralized to anything and everything. Even the richest man in the world is neutralized his money. He's looking for more. He wants to be the president of USA. Because he's no longer he's neutralized to the, to the amount. Of, if he's got a few billions, what can he buy? He buys everything he wants. Then what? The mind wants more. The money's not giving him any satisfaction. He looks for somewhere else, different areas. It doesn't matter how much you have, the mind will get neutralized to it. Unless the intellect is developed to understand, be satisfied with what I have. Is, is, does, is everyone clear with this? The intellect thinks, reasons, understands. The mind just wants more and more. Everyone's mind. No matter how rich or poor you are. It's all relative. So without the guidance of the intellect, you lose that objectivity in your actions. This is what it's saying. You're conducting your actions based on your mind's likes and dislikes. I got a bonus. My friend got a bonus. I didn't get one. Okay, I ain't working. Emotions. So loss of efficiency and productivity. So what does a company do? Give more incentive. Next month, whoever gets the highest gets this car. Everyone works hard for the month. Someone, his colleague, your colleague wins the car. Next month, there's nothing. Back to, back to normal. Incentive's gone. You need a developed intellect to control the mind while you're acting. That will give you the maximum results. And for that, we need to learn how to develop that. When you're controlling, when the intellect is controlling the mind, then that we, we say we're being objective. If we're not doing that, then the mind is controlling our personality based on likes and dislikes, true. Another way of dealing with this is having a higher unselfish goal. Imagine in the workplace, you all are, okay, you have a colleague, yeah, has an accident, he's at home. You all love that colleague. You all decide, you know what, we should all team up, work really hard, and help him. And you all work hard, and you give 
whatever bonuses you get to him. The incentive is of a higher unselfish desire to help someone else. That will not only allow all of you to work together, be more productive, and you're helping someone. Now that is a higher goal, a higher incentive, and that works because it's an unselfish desire to help others. But when you're given incentives for selfish reasons, it's temporary. So the goal is to identify something higher. It may be a favorite charity. You'll have a charity at work where, you know, any bonuses we give to, I don't know, RSPCA, and you all have pets and you identify with pets. Okay, let's work hard. We want to give as maximum we can. Higher desire, unselfish. How big is that identification? The higher the identification, the greater you're able to work. If you're thinking of yourself, you get neutralized. You work harder. You never get tired because you're working for a higher unselfish ideal. Service and sacrifice instead of self-centeredness, selfish attitude. And unfortunately, that's what incentives does. Creates more selfishness. Your best friends become enemies because he's made more sales than you have. You nick my sale. So instead of creating a harmony, it creates disharmony in the work environment. But it's unfortunately it has to work from the top. If the boss is selfish and behaves in that way, there's not a lot you can do. You know, survival of the fittest, as they say. But we're just analyzing what happens. You get neutralized incentive and eventually revert back to being unproductive. So therefore, incentives do not work. Having a higher ideal does. In fact, it causes more damage to the company. The uh, Madoff case, selfishness at the top end. Isn't it? The whole company collapsed. A lot of people didn't know what, uh, that, what was going on. Only a handful of people knew what was going on. Height of selfishness right at the top. How can the company work? How can the company function? And now he's in prison, how many? What, 20 years or whatever. So if we have, if we create initiative in the company environment, it works much better. So it gives an example like fertilizer. We use fertilizer to grow food. They give you a short-term quick result, but they lose their vitality. Similarly, that's what incentives does. Short-term, you get good goals, you get a good result, but long-term, it doesn't work. The mind wants immediate benefit with the least amount of effort. So the bottom line is incentives cater to the mind, initiative caters to the intellect. This is, the, this is the reasoning behind it. So the last topic in here is formula for success. We all want success in uh, different environments. What is success? What is success? 
Through what is success to you? How would you say I'm successful? Hmm? Could be any environment. You can say I'm successfully become fit. Having a goal achieving it. Perfect, you're right. Having a goal and achieve it. Now, in that sentence, success is measured by the result, isn't it? Correct. If I achieve my goal, then I become successful. Correct? So success is a effect. It's an effect. Success is an effect. So how do you become successful then, if that's an effect? Right action. You can't just say, I'm going to be successful. You can say, I'm going to put the right action in, so I am successful. Is everyone clear with that? If success is an effect, to get that effect, we need to put the right action in. Can you get, just say, I'm going to have a successful cake? What do you have to do? You can read this if you want. This recipe. <laughs> Good quality ingredients. Good quality ingredients, concentrating, mixing everything in the right quantity, bake it for the correct time and temperature. If you do all that, then the chances are that you will be successfully bake a good cake. And Sunil will say, this is lovely cake. Similarly, you want to be, you want to pass an exam. You have to put in the correct effort. Anything. To be successful in life, the right action needs to go in to be successful. We don't want to put the right action in, but we want to be successful, isn't it? All of us, it's like that. Some people go and see a Joshi, doesn't, put, doesn't study any books. Please, let me pass my exams. How is that possible? We'll do a prayer and my son will pass. Son's never opened a book. How is that possible? So right action converts to success. So there's the three C's to success. Concentration, consistency, and cooperation. These threes. People pay thousands of pounds to learn these three C's in, to, to do business. We're getting it here for free. Three C's to success. Concentration, consistency, and cooperation. So success in any venture, business, or personal, personal life requires the discipline of these three intellectual applications. These terms are used in society, but without a true understanding of its meaning. So they use this in the business environment. Concentrate. You tell your child, concentrate. What is concentration? Emma, what is concentration? If I say to you, concentrate, what is that? What am I trying to say to you? To you, it doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong. If I say to you, concentrate. Read and absorb. Read and absorb. 
read and absorb. Okay, how would you read and absorb it? How do you know you're read you're not? How do you know, even though you're reading it, how do you know you're not absorbing it, or you're absorbing it by understanding? Okay. What is concentration? Should you know? Concentration. Do you know concentration? We've covered it before. Remember? Focus. That's the same thing as concentration. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, we're talking from the mind and intellect perspective here. Okay, we understand now the mind works on likes and dislikes. Yeah, we understand the qualities of the mind. It's the intellect that thinks reason. So, concentration means when the mind slips into the past and future, you're trying to do something, as Hemus, for example, you're trying to read and absorb, you said, yes? But your mind thinks, what am I going to cook for dinner? But yesterday, you know, I had that argument with my friend. Wish, you know, I handled things differently. But you're reading something. But your mind is doing that. Everyone's mind does that. It doesn't stay on the present action. It keeps slipping. And you know, you sometimes say, you know what, why am I thinking of that? I need to work on this right now. Don't we all say that? Yeah. So that's when the intellect kicks in and says, do what you're supposed to be doing right now. Don't worry about what happened yesterday and don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Right now, I need to concentrate on this. That is concentration. So that's when the intellect holds the mind on the present action, an action that you have decided that you want to do. So the definition of concentration is the ability of the intellect to hold the mind in the present action. Then you are concentrating, you are focusing. The second one is consistency. So now you know how to hold your mind in a particular avenue, particular action. Next, you have to be consistent. You have created a goal. Now you need to be consistent to get to that goal. So consistency is the ability to keep your actions directed towards the ideal, that goal you have set. I need to, I'm, I'm, I'm collecting money for charity. My goal is thousand pounds. Keep your consistency, focus on that, achieving that goal. You have set that goal. So any action that you do, is this taking me to that goal? The mind likes to slip into other attractions. So it loses its direction. And the action does not flow towards the goal. It's like uh, a river flowing to the, to the sea. The more channels you have, the less consistency uh, water will flow there. Similarly, your mind it behaves in the same way. If you understand that I need to reach that goal, like a river, you go straight to that goal. But if you have too many other thoughts, then you're not being consist consistent to get to that goal. Goal that you have set, by the way. Nobody else.
The intellect sets a goal, but the mind will not follow unless you make it follow. So if you practice consistency, the action has more force. So the action becomes more powerful. More chance of being successful. You said success, this is how you get it. And thirdly, cooperation. This is very important. You cannot achieve any goal without cooperation. Whether you say you want to lose weight, but your wife makes samosas every night, how are you going to lose weight? <laughs> you don't eat, she's unhappy. You need her cooperation, isn't it? Don't make samosas. You need cooperation in anything you do. In business, you need cooperation of fellow workers, accountants, management. Even in general life, you need cooperation of your doctor, hospital, education, establishment. You cannot become the person you are unless so many other people cooperated and helped you become what you are today. This government, this country, the school you went to, the teacher who taught you, your parents. Do we ever acknowledge all that? We forget, don't we? See, when we acknowledge that, it actually reduces our ego. Actually, I was, I'm nothing. If it wasn't because of all these other people that helped me be where I am today, how can, that, how can then that increase your ego? If it wasn't my parents came to this country, where would I be? My mom didn't help me with my homework, where would I be, Drew? It's a fact though, isn't it? So what, what have you achieved actually? See, this is what helps us reduce our ego, understanding this. Talked about ego manifesting. Think about these things, it'll go back down again. So in life, everything's about cooperation. See, cooperation creates humility within us. We start to work together with people. can't achieve anything on your own. But what do we say? Hey, I did this. I created this. On my own. We do, don't we? we, f we even if we don't say it, we think it. So what they're saying is, 
To be successful in life, you got concentration, consistency, and cooperation, meaning you need other people's help. And if you understand you need other people's help, then your own ego will be reduced and you will be able to get that help from other people because they understand he needs my help, I'm gonna help, he's a fair person, he's gonna help me, he's gonna treat me well, you know, you, you give that understanding and you know, you're reducing your own ego, creating more humility within you. And that spiritually is a really good quality. Germany was devastated, what, 1945? It's the powerhouse of Europe now. Why? Cooperation. All the people worked together and created Germany. Japan had a nuclear warhead go off not long ago. Powerhouse of Asia. Why? Cooperation. We've got to build a better country. We've got to build our country back again. England won the war. <laughs> so, to achieve, to sum up, to achieve success, you need the intellect to maintain the true spirit of cooperation with others. If you maintain these three disciplines, it will lead you to productivity, success, and peace in whatever you pursue. Any questions? In, the, in, in whatever action, you're, whatever goal you're trying to achieve, then of course you will identify whose help you need. Okay, it all depends on the goal. There's two ways, there's, there's two, there's two um, as far as corporations concerned, you can use it as a tool. I need to reach this goal, I need the help, manager, help of my bank manager, I need the help of a solicitor, I need the help of a so-and-so, so-and-so. Okay, so you understand I need their help to achieve my goal. I can't do it on my own. But even remembering for your, let's say, spiritual development, you realize I've got an ego. How do I reach my ego? Let me think of all the people that helped me to become this person that I am today, successful. Who helped me? What are you doing? You're remembering that in order to reduce your ego. Because you're not I can do everything on my own. Any questions?